and welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by my guys, the serial killer, Chris McCormick, and Mr. Robot, Gene Parenti. Boys, how are we doing? I, I think it's just too easy to call Gene Mr. Robot. I think we need to, to bring back... <laughs> it's it's the perfect name. I don't even know why we're having this discussion right now. I, I'm saying we need, to, we need to reach back a little further and call him Mr. Roboto. Mr. Roboto. I think that just makes uh, more sense. You're, you're, you're pulling out the sticks reference. That's a little yeah, scary. But that's, that's what I'm thinking. I think that we just reach back, we bring it back, and he's Mr. Roboto. Oh, man. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah, t- I'll take, I'll take just... it into consideration. Gene, Gene's shaking his head over here. <laughs> well, it it'll just, be fun. It just brings back it, it just brings back memories when I had hair of having it feathered with like a cherry cloth polo and um, – you know, corduroy brown jeans. It was just, it was just a bad look. Those were the days, Gene. Those, those were the good old days. <laughs> I think you should bring it all back, Gene. Embrace Mr. Roboto. Go with that as the new motif. I mean, let's just do it. I see Gene wearing that, that get up on a, on a future testing video. Absolutely. Yeah. That needs to happen. Maybe. Maybe I could uh, grow my hair out and do the comb over as well with, you know, a lot of greasy formula on it. Be all set. Yeah. It'll be good luck. <laughs> well, yeah. they, now they, now they just call it the product. Well. It's just product. <laughs> Been oh, out of that game for a while, so I don't know the nomenclature anymore. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, Chris and I are here in person. We're here in... This never happens. Well, I know. It's happened a couple of times. Maybe once. Once before. I think we got two in person. Yeah. Anyway. Out of 100 plus episodes. I know. I know. That's neither here nor there. But we are here because now it's it, it's called the Waste Management Phoenix Open, although they're calling it the WM Phoenix Open. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah. Signage has changed a little bit. I mean, it's still the People's Open. It is. The it People's is. Open. Of, of the tour events that are on the schedule each and every year, if somebody were to ask me, what's the one event that I have to go to? I mean, the obvious answer is the Masters. You know, go to the Masters. Sure. But if I was going to pick a 1B to that 1A, it's this week. It this- is It is absolutely bonkers. And as we're recording this, this is a Wednesday. And you and I were out at the golf course today. Yep. It was, I mean... It was getting kind of rowdy on a Wednesday afternoon. It was. I mean, they had music coming from every corner of the course. There were vendors out there. I mean, it was. It didn't feel like a Wednesday. No, which makes Not. you wonder what it's going to look like on Friday and Saturday. I am avoiding that place like the plague on Saturday. That's it's, for sure. It's 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 <clears throat> going to be it's going to be absolute chaos. Gene, have you ever been to this tournament before? Ever been, gentlemen? <laughs> I. I just was honored this week with one of the top five hole in ones. I was waiting for this. For the, for the, for the waste management <laughs> was, this this was a tee up, Gene. Like, I'm trying to tee up here, Gene. This was, this was my signature. Um, but I, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Um, uh, I'd never been before. I showed up Tuesday, was working with Gary McCord. He arranged the whole thing. We went to the tee box to prep just to see, and I started getting heart palpitations standing on the tee box, and there was no one in the stands. And I was looking, the way the stands come down when you're on the tee box, the the, the only way I can describe it is 
Mad Max is beyond the Thunderdome meets the Coliseum. It is, I'm and, saying, the Coliseum for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and 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 right about this time, because let, let me think, we went on at like three thirty for our demonstration. That the the pro am groups had just gone through, and that crowd is so lubricated by this point and ready. And but it's it's Christians and Lions. I mean. I watched CEOs of Fortune 500 companies miss the green and get like food. And I watched one guy, I'm not joking, his knees were literally knocking together as he was trying to pull the handle. And he hit it into the crowd and they taunted him so badly, he just walked out the exit, didn't even walk to the green. And I'm sitting there going, I'm putting myself in front of this to do what? You know? And um, imagine how the robot felt, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how nervous the robot, the robot was. <laughs> the robot was a stone cold killer, but uh yeah. It's uh So it's so just so describe stories. describe what happens though for those that maybe didn't get a chance to see the video that was the, the, I mean it was the all, video all over social. Watching. Yeah, Absolutely. you should go watch it on social. Well, <clears throat> well, so here's the funniest part is uh they um uh, you know, and you guys know, that whole without all of that you know, infrastructure is just a nondescript, slightly downhill par three. Yep. Um, they, so we set up the day before and they said 163 yard shot. And so I was like, great, 163 yard shot, got it all set up. I had balls dropping within a tablecloth area at 163 yards, wind free. I was like, this is awesome. I'm dialed in. So I go over about 30 minutes before just to check and something didn't seem right. Cause we were down on one of the lower tees and the tour players were teeing out from the back tees and it said 163. And on our tees, I was telling Gary, I said, Gary, something's not right. You know, I'm freaking out. And so he had a um, Mickelson's caddy bone shoot it. And it was 143 yards. They screwed oh, up no. and we had a club dialed in. It was 20 yards longer. So you know how far away the uh, driving range is from 16. Oh, yeah. I go sprinting back. They've literally taken the robot off the driving range and are now driving it to the hole. And I've got the wrong club in the machine when I show up there. And I'm freaking out. <laughs> robot's freaking getting ready to get moved. <laughs> the yeah, the robot's going to be doing a beeline for the exit too, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God this is my chance and I'm going to blow it because I have the wrong club. And so I, and you guys know as players, I had a perfect trajectory for 163 yards with a six iron, just nice, easy six iron. And now I've got to bump 20 yards off of it. And that flattens the trajectory and the ball lands and starts running because you can't, you can't hold it. You know, and, and I'm literally doing this on the fly. So I hit my first shot. It lands about pin high and rolls to the edge of the green. Fortunately, it didn't roll off the green. And everybody's kind of get. we had five shots. Everybody's kind of giving this like. About it, the ball was like 40 feet past the pin. So I hit the second shot, still left and, and still long. Third shot, and I'm just scrambling right now. I, and I mean, like my entire world has become just tunnel vision because everything is so loud. Everybody's freaking out. And I'm trying to do this on the fly and I have no idea how I'm going to do this. 
So anyways, bottom line, get to the last shot. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this is, this is my worst nightmare. And so I put the ball high on the face because I was still long. And I leaned the tee towards the toe because I knew if you hit it on the toe, it causes the ball to go to the right. and The ball was still going to the left. I didn't even have time to adjust the machine. And as soon as I hit the last shot, I went, I screwed up. I was like, I totally screwed up. And I, I, I adjusted too much. And I was watching the ball fly. And there was a lip on the green. And there was a sand trap. And it hit on that lip. And if it hit two inches lower, the ball was in the trap. But it hit right at the perfect angle, popped up, and rolled 30 feet in. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. The next thing I know, we were getting saluted by about 10,000 Coors Light cans because that's what they did to Tiger. And all of a sudden, just beer cans are raining all over the place. All hell broke loose. So, yeah, it was was, – it's it's a fun memory to relive every year. They're, uh, you know, and then and then it was, and then it was about two weeks of our robots taking over the world. <laughs> you know, everybody everybody ran with that for about two weeks on the on the viral video front. So oh my goodness, it, it was a good time. Yeah, that's. I mean, to to get a top five like best aces at at this tournament. I mean. The video is fantastic. Oh, the video is amazing. Um, you know, well, you, see, you see my vertical, you see my vertical leap of about two inches in the video. I, I, I get so excited, I jump up and I almost like, you know, got my feet off the ground. Type thing, so. <laughs> I, I just watched the video yesterday. I did too. I just yeah. watched it yesterday. So, if we had to rate Bill's vertical and Gene's vertical. <laughs> who's winning i would say it's about a, a dead even heat it's pretty close right? pretty it's pretty damn close yeah yeah gene, gene gene got up there phil 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 did as well when he when he won the masters but yeah they're they're pretty yeah, close it's it's, it's it's such a cool memory though but the fact that it was last ball like i just i think that's yeah. awesome that's just the coolest yeah. yeah and and the fact that you know in all honesty I put the odds in that situation at about one in 200 of making a hole in one. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a lot better than one in 2000, which is a tour player, but still um, with that distance, it would be, even with the robot, hole in ones are hard to make. They're just not easy. And um, there's a little bit of luck involved. Yeah. A little bit of luck involved. Just I'd, a little. I'd, I'd like to have a one in two hundred chance of making a hole in one. Sign me up. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. All right. We well, did make one. We did. We did one event where we made. Uh, we hit a ball for every group out of eighteen groups at a charity event. We made one hole in one out of eighteen, and sniffed it a couple times as well. So, you know. the robots. The robots so good. Um, one of the things though that Gene just mentioned that I wanted to discuss. So I was out there this week and, you know, it's, I would say for this time of the year, I mean, would you say you live out here? So you would know better than I would. It feels unseasonably warm. It is warm. It feels a little bit on the warmer side. I mean, it absolutely is warm. This, uh, this event has had quite the roller coaster ride for temperature swings. Yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been years where we've had snow and ice and I mean, just like uncharacteristically cold temperatures this year. I would say that 
the weather is as close to perfect as it can get. Yeah, I mean it's it's seventy five. <clears throat> I think it's going to be eighty two tomorrow. It's it, you're right. It, it is it is perfect. Although I was watching the local news last night, and they said that the uh, the paramedics had to treat five people for heat related issues and i'm like it was 75 degrees out here what what the hell are you doing you got the you got the snowbirds that come down for the event yeah, and yeah they're uh, they're not acclimated yeah <clears throat> so speaking of acclimating that's that's kind of where i'm going with this is you don't think of tpc scottsdale having elevation issues for players to have to deal with sure but you know i was talking and i'll have you discuss because you you talked to a couple of the guys from callaway but you know, you're what, 1,200, 12, 1,300 feet above? Yeah, it's right around 1,300. 1,300. And so you've got a thinner air density. You know, this isn't, we're not talking Mexico, which is where they play with the WGC. You know, that's that's on a different level. But <clears throat> I, I did find it interesting that, that a lot of players were having to contend with the thinner air this week. And because of that, you've, you've got to figure a couple things out. So one of the things that I find interesting about the thinner air was some players will not use their launch monitors this week just simply because the numbers just don't stack up what what they're typically seeing. So they leave the launch monitor at home and they rely more on, you know, all right, I'm going to lose probably four to 500 RPMs a spin on a lot of these shots. So it goes from being able to fire at a lot of flags to now you're having to say, all right, you know, as you're trying to converse with your caddy, where do we land this ball? Right. It's not going to spin as much, and then we've got to figure out and account for that additional rollout. And this is what you know Bryson and his caddy do on a you know on a weekly basis, like even when it isn't you know TBC Scottsdale or, or Mexico. But yeah, I, that's just something that I never really had had thought about. Was kind of it's like what well, what do you do if you live out here? Well, you'd have to make sure you're probably playing something that's a bit spinnier. That was uh, is a talking to some of the tour reps. Some of the tour reps had even referenced that players were making ball changes and going to oh, that's interesting a little bit more spinny type of golf ball. Uh, I mean, specifically guys that are not necessarily the highest launching, highest spinning players uh, making changes to something that gives them a little bit more control, also allows the ball to stay airborne a little bit longer for sure. And <clears throat> I mean, it's not just the adjustment in altitude, but also there's just no humidity. It's so dry. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, if you're not spinning the ball enough, you get kind of that knuckle result and just wants to fall out of the air a little prematurely. And I mean, you might not get necessarily the same control that you have on your ball that you're used to, might not get the carry number that you're used to, um, so it, I mean, it is kind of interesting. I mean, even living in Arizona full time, the way that the ball reacts from winter and summer, different, just mm -hmm. because it gets so hot, so dry, and turf conditions firm up significantly in the summertime compared to now. I mean, it's it's quite dramatic playing golf here in the summertime versus right now. Yeah. I mean, Gene, you saw it with the robot, <laughs> the ball. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. A couple things come to mind that are interesting. I'm surprised that these guys are ditched. I get why they're ditching their launch monitors as far as distance because of the air density, but I'm surprised because you would think that you'd want to dial in that the spin numbers still should be the spin numbers, meaning if the spin was four or 500 RPM less, 
you'd want to know that to make sure that you get the right ball or the right loft combination, you know, to get, to get your launch um, conditions correct. But, you know, the interesting thing about Arizona is I swear the whole state's on a slant like this. I mean, you go from, you know, down at the bottom near Mexico to almost below sea level to, you know, when you get up to the Grand Canyon, what are you, six, 7,000 feet up? And, I mean, the state just, you know, it just slants up as you go north. And, and that absolutely comes into effect um, as far as distance. And we see it as far as reduction in spin and the drier conditions. Um, yeah, hundred, hundred percent. We'll see some, we'll see some big, big tee shots this week. Big tee shots. And I mean, just looking at the condition of the golf course, being out there with some of the players early in the week, yeah. I think there's going to be some really low number shot. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Especially if guys want to <clears throat> just freewheel a bit and maybe they're hitting the driver well and you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking we're going to see 20 plus. I would I wouldn't be surprised. I wow. mean, we we've we've seen so many low so many low scores already. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, th- I think we we might see a tournament record maybe. And uh, want to call it now? I'm I'm gonna say I'll say I'll say it, tournament record's gonna be broken this week. I I, I mean I'm not gonna disagree with you. Yeah, I, per, I mean, perfect the, conditions out there. <clears> I I can, golf I can, course I can, is yeah. immaculate. Yeah, You're weather gonna, is perfect. How do, they, how, do, how do they grow? How do they grow the rough? What's the rough like? Uh, not bad. Not non-existent. Really? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, really? it's not yeah. there. But I mean, where they just played at Torrey Pines, it's yeah. it's not even close. Well, when you when right. you and I played at Torrey Pines, <laughs> it was brutal. after spending the day with Gene. <clears throat> I, I've never. I mean, that was the closest that I've ever played to the U.S. Open like caliber rough on yeah. the north on the north course. We didn't even play south. Yeah, we didn't even play south. It was brutal. And I mean that ball. Tori, it wasn't going anywhere. Tori is all. Yeah, Tori is always rough. I just got back from Pebble, and Pebble and Spyglass. I walked in uh, MPCC. Rough was almost non-existent, unless you got really far out. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting in that Tori sticks out that way because. You know, you, you see at Kapalua, you see obviously in Palm Springs, and, you know, these courses kind of set up in the beginning of the season to go really low and to be, you know, very entertaining type thing as opposed to some of the challenges, you know, challenging courses that seem to be, um, you know, kind of stacked towards the mid and, and uh, you know, backside of the season. But, yeah, that's, that's interesting, you know, that – I, and I don't know. How about Riviera? I, I, I you know, I, it's been years since I've been up there, so I don't know how they how they set that course. R- Rivs Rivs always been a little bit more like it's if you miss if you miss the fairway, the rough is more penal out out there. Okay, yeah, I'd I'd put it kind of middle of the road. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's because of the Kikuya. Yeah, you know, that. it's it's just so tough to like to get a to get your club on the golf ball yeah the ball settles all the way down yeah. to the and it's just yep. super sticky yeah. yeah it's it's tough i mean every every year that i've been out there it's it's always been a, a little bit on the tougher side but i feel like it's just because it's, it's riv and you know they just don't want the place to get torn to shreds but, but it, it, it 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 does bring up an interesting point from an equipment standpoint like you said i mean a lot of these guys are coming straight from um pebble 
where it was 62 degrees. It was beautiful up there, but it was cold and it was a little damp and the wind was blowing a lot. And you're going to have a different approach to how you swing and how you score as opposed to warm, dry, wide open desert conditions where, you know, you can, you know, tee it up forward, swing high and, you know, go find it and uh, shoot a little score. So, yeah. Well, we'll see how many of those guys I'll, I'll follow up towards the end of the week and see how many guys actually change golf balls. I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be a few that'll probably go to something a bit spinnier. I, I could see it. Um, other things that I saw, and I'll I'll be curious to see if if you notice anything that stood out. Um, Gary Woodland, I saw. I went by his bag, and kind of poking around, noticed a couple of new clubs at the top of the set, and one of them, Chris, I I don't really know if I have a whole lot of detail on it. It's so Woodland had a Callaway Rogue ST Triple Diamond S driver, and then I also saw he had. A, I think it was a three wood that he had in the bag. Triple so, diamond tri- T. Triple diamond T. Mm-hmm. Which the only other person I've seen with the with the T head was John Rom. Right. Um, so first question is for a guy like Woodland. Well, I mean, what's what's the S head? I, I mean, these these some of these are going to be like kind of tour <clears> variations <throat> that we've seen Callaway release in the past. How does this one kind of differ from? Just your standard triple diamond. So, I mean, just like every other year, there's different iterations of heads available for tour only. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, essentially some specialty niche products that are basically geared more towards what the tour players like to see. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily the higher MOI versions that we get at retail. But so there is the triple diamond LS that we're going to see this year at retail right. for the Rogue ST product. But then they also have the Triple Diamond, which is going to be uh, in that Rogue ST line and going to be more of a neutral start line. So neutral flight bias and one of the higher spinning heads. So <clears throat> the head that Woodland has in uh, play the Triple Diamond S. The S actually stands for speed. So it's more of a forward CG placement. Uh, flight bias is going to be more of that right type of bias to it. Okay. So for a player that doesn't like to see the ball move left, for a player that... Who does? <laughs> On the tour side. <laughs> well, not many. Yeah. So, uh, Woodland's kind of interesting. He likes to hit the uh, kind of the knockdown fade with driver as a fairway finder. Mm. But then apex height with driver, he can get up 130, 140 feet when he's confident and swinging at it, yeah. but likes to play a, a starting line that starts straight of target or just slightly right of target falling right. Okay. So doesn't like to see the ball go left on him at all until he gets to three wood. Three wood, he wants something that gives him a little bit more control and that triple diamond T, they designed that head specifically for ROM. And if you look at it, it's a little deeper face. And it's, it looks <clears throat> it looks really good. And like coming from a guy who doesn't hit three wood, who can't find a three wood, I could see myself playing a, a three wood like that because it is deep enough where it does feel like you can hit down on it. Yes, and, and, and ton of camber it. around yeah. that leading edge. So, Gene, have you had a chance to see these pictures yet? I have not, no. 
And so the so the triple diamond T fairway wood that we're talking about has got a fairly deep face on it and has a significant amount of camber around that leading edge. And that's basically allowing the player to hit down on it, still maintain a good amount of spin, and then the flight bias to it is going to be, again, a little bit more neutral. And Gary okay. likes to hit a specific number with three wood, and what he was kind of struggling with a little bit was some of the newer fairway woods coming out for 22 uh, didn't allow um, him to work the ball right to left like he likes to mm. and still hit the number that he was looking for. Everything was just going too far. Yeah. So he's looking for that 275 to 278 carry number out of three wood and then still being able to maintain a spin threshold somewhere around 32, 3300 mm -hmm. RPMs of spin. So it was a little bit of a, a quest trying to find a fairway wood that hit that numeric. Yeah. And that triple diamond T just hmm. kind of checked all the boxes for him. Cowley's interesting, interesting in in the way that they release product because typically they they might release a product out on tour, and I I guarantee you like some of the some of the features of this triple diamond T will end up in a in a future retail product. Oh, I I would hope so. Yeah, I mean the shape of this head and the playability of it is fantastic. Yeah. And then the fact that you know, they've engineered a, engineered a fairway head that you can hit down on a little bit. Right. Still spins the ball a little bit. And we're seeing a 16-degree option. We're seeing a 16-5 option. Uh, Callaway this year got rid of the 4-wood, and they are doing the 3HL. But the shape of this triple diamond T for a little bit more accomplished player that does like to spin the ball a little more mm -hmm. and have a little more control over the ball. I mean, it's a fantastic head. I wish they had it at retail. Yeah. I've, I've <clears> heard <throat> the, the one thing that I've heard from a lot of the guys that have been testing the new rogue ST fairways is they're crazy long. Yes. Like, some guys are having to, to go up and loft or, or kind of find ways to, to get a little bit more height just because it's like they're bombing it and they've got to kind of try and figure out like that gap. So, um, I mean, if you're somebody who, who likes to use three wood off the tee, uh, you know, maybe that's no not a bad option. It's I mean, not it's... a bad option as like a, a secondary driver. <clears throat> Everything that I've been hearing is just, it, it is, it is very long, especially from, from the tour pros and, um, anyway, so those are some of the things that I saw from Woodland. I've got a funny story about Victor, Victor Hovland. So I was over by his bag and I was shooting his stuff and, um, he, so Victor is a, is a ping staffer and I would, I would argue that nobody's playing better golf than Victor at the moment. I mean, he's, he's just red hot. And so I'm, you know, shooting his stuff and getting in, in hand photos and, you know, like a lot of ping guys, you are allowed to have a couple of non-ping clubs in the bag. Like ping allows you that wiggle room. Well, one of those clubs he has a he has a Vokey Wedgework sixty degree. Um, I also saw he had a Callaway Apex um, hybrid in the bag, and then I also saw that he had a TaylorMade Sim three wood. Now the Sim three wood's been in there for for you know hot minute. Sure. And his caddy <coughs> Shay Knight, um, really good dude, and so. Shay standing there, and so is Kent Notes from Ping, and um, 
come to find out that because I'm looking at the three wood and it has the dimed out wear mark that you would expect to see from a Tour Pro. Right in the middle, the teal and the toe are pristine. It's like perfect. Ball after ball after ball. And I kind of commented, I said, man, Shay, like this is, it's still crazy. I mean, I know I see this from a lot of Tour Pros in their fairways especially. And I come to find out that it's actually Shay's three wood. Um, which I just all of a sudden, it was like mind-blowing. Like, wait a second. Why is, why does Victor have yours? So if you recall, Victor's clubs going to Maui were lost. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so, 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 wow. so Shay and Victor are about the same height, similar club specs, similar grip. And so when Victor got to Maui, he used Shay's clubs. Until until you know Ping was already building him like a new setup for the rest of his stuff, and um, Victor loved Shay's three wood so so much that he said, "Look, um, you can have the rest of your clubs back, but the three wood stayed with me." Now it's funny because funny. it's funny because it's his caddy's three wood, but right. what I love about it is that dimed out mark is from his caddy. Love that it's not from Victor; it's from his caddy. And again, it, it, it was, but we were just kind of chatting and, you know, and, and Che uses uh blueprint irons and Victor uses I-210 and he, and we were jokingly saying, it's like, man. So if, who's if, the better ball striker? Well, <laughs> but that's, but it's like, if, if Victor's using I-210, why the hell am I not using <clears throat> I-210? Like, why am I, why am I playing blueprint here? Like Victor's getting a little bit more forgiveness. Sure. Um, you know, a little bit wider soul and. Anyway, it was just it was a funny story. But one of the changes that I was told for Victor this week is he went to a new Ping G four twenty five LST driver, and he had a chance to go over because Ping's you know stones throw away from TPC Scottsdale. He went over there sure. and worked on driver. So Victor's an interesting one because he's an underspinner, and you know typically like most most amateurs. I mean, would you say the, the amateurs you work with are they underspinners or overspinners? I mean, most of them don't hit it as solidly as a tour player does right so they generate eh, some some questionable spin numbers <laughs> yeah. i would say for the majority of players out there we're trying to scrub some spin yeah and that's <clears throat> and that's kind of so victor's just the opposite he's he's trying to add spin and yeah he's in the same boat i am yeah just low he, launch low spin i need help <laughs> so the, what i what i want to have you discuss is so Victor is at about eighteen to nineteen hundred RPMs of spin, launching at ten. Um, Kent notes from Ping said that Victor's path had moved a little more right, so it's easier for him to now hit a draw. And he's now because he's gotten faster, he can cruise at like one seventy seven with without much effort. So like one eighty is not that difficult for him if he wants sure. to take a crack at it. Um, so to fix the underspinning, one of the things that they worked on with Fujikura because he's using the the Ventus product in his driver was they actually took away all the tipping. Okay. So he went from an inch, an inch mm. tipped to no tipping, and and this is where I want to get the fitters' take is if golfers who, or listeners <clears throat> out here are saying, well, I'm an underspinner, why why are they taking out you know the tipping? What's what's that going to do? What what are you as a fitter saying is the reasoning for, for doing something like that? So, I mean, essentially, when you're tipping a shaft, you're just making it play firmer. So, I mean, you're removing the ability for the tip section to help with a little bit of launch, a little bit of spin. Right. So, I mean, just stiffening up that particular portion of the golf club 
and not necessarily letting it kick or playing to some of the droop or the deflection that helps with a little bit of launch or a little bit of spin. So, and that's, uh, that's not really uncommon. I mean, as graphite technology and composite technology continues to improve, you're seeing some of these guys that don't necessarily need to tip it quite as much right. because the tip sections and the mid sections in these shafts are getting so tight that you don't really have to manipulate it anymore. And the golf ball spins less and the head construction is moving CG to a place to where it's cutting spin more. So you don't have to do those fine tuning adjustments quite as much with, I mean, the evolution of technology and product. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, and so that was one of the things that he did to kind of help add spin. The other was he went up in loft. He went from 8.4 degrees to 8.6 and to help with the, the, you know, being able to turn it over pretty easily, they added three grams of hot melt to the toe and that got him from 18, 1900 RPMs of spin launching at 10 to launching it now at like 11 to 12 with about 2300 RPMs. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like exactly where, well, where, where Victor would want it. And the interesting thing about the 1800 uh, area, because, you know, we've done a lot of testing down there. It, 1800 is fine in wind-free conditions. Everything's perfect. The problem with 1800 is, as an average is that's an average, right? And you've got a range. And on the high side, you're good because you're 22, 2300. Here's where it gets really dicey if you have low spin. Um, if you get down to the 1500 or 1400, because then the ball drops out of the sky. And so if your average is 1800, it's fine if you strike it perfectly every single time, but you are going to miss on the low side. And when you miss on the low side, you're really going to get penalized. Whereas if you're at 22, 2300, you miss on the low side, it brings you down to 1800. And on the high side, you're up at 25, 26. Both are kind of manageable, um, you know, from a distance and directional standpoint. And so anything sub 2000, you really want to get it up just for your average so that your misses on the low side don't really penalize you and fall out of the sky. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is, Agree with is, that 100%. Yeah, tour pros are going to be able to, to keep a pretty tight spin range, even, even on the miss hits. But... 18 to 1900 like we've we were testing drivers during during the middle of like right before embargoes and there were a couple where we were hitting it and it's like you know 2000 spinning you're like it's kind of like borderline right there i mean yeah it starts to get unstable yeah exactly just as gene said you know you you've got to have that range be like okay 23 is good now if i drop and i dip to like 2000 i'm still okay you can right. go, go a little bit above that, and you're you're still going to be fine. You're not going to be you know overspinning it at that point. I mean the the exception and, to the rule there is if you're in the overachiever category, and you're able to produce you know the high teens on your initial vertical launch, you can afford. To that's play, what I was going to say. Yeah, 100%. you can afford to play a little bit lower spin, but I mean the closest yep. player that we have out on tour would Gene. Would you say Rory? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's, it's, fun, it's funny that you say that because I was going to throw in that caveat and, and it, it was well stated what you said is if you get up and, and the reason I was thinking about it was, and I didn't know Victor's launch angle, but you, uh, Jonathan, you were saying it was 10 degrees and it's like, man, that's low with, with 
you know, 1700, 1800 spin. That, that ball tour, is oh, right sure. on the, right, right on the verge of dropping out of the sky as it is, much less with the, with the miss hit. So yeah, if you get up over 12 and a half, 13 degrees, you can hide a little bit of that sin of the low spin. But, um, you know, it, that becomes a challenge in and of itself because to get there, say, with an eight or nine degree lofted head, now you've got to be plus four, plus five on attack angle. Yep. And that club face is so far out there that, you know, from a timing standpoint, your hand eye coordination. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. You, you get those low <coughs> left hooks coming in real Smite. quick. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, for us, mere, for us mere mortals, it, it can't even be, it can't even be sniffed. But for these guys under pressure, it it's a challenge. And, you know, and that's why, you know, I've had these conversations. I have actually been having them recently. You know, why so many of these guys out there play the cut and they play the fade. And the reason is under pressure, they want to find that fairway. And as much as they love the high booming draws that hit the ball a mile, under pressure, those can turn into snap hooks, and those can just, you know, they they can do many, many bad things, whereas a cut or a, um, a fade is much more consistent. While usually 20 yards shorter, it's going to be in the short grass. 100%. I mean, going back to Gary Woodland and looking at some of the stock shots that he hits, when mm-hmm. he's confident in swinging it, apex height, 130, 140 feet. And we've got a 317 or so average carry. When he needs a fairway finder, now we're teeing the ball lower and impact position moves a little bit down the face. We go to a 295 average carry, but his average apex height is 85 to 90 feet. I mean, it's a totally different wow. window. Totally different window. Very wow. similar ball flight as far as shot shape's concerned. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we go 295 carry up to 317, but as far as apex height goes, environmental influences are very different from 85 feet to 140 feet. Right. And there's there's a lot wow. that can happen to that golf ball at 140 feet in the air as it starts to come down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how often, I mean, I wonder how I, often I, a guy like Woodland is playing that fairway finder versus just the, like, teed high ball having conversations with him i mean that's really the confident stock shot that when he has to hit a fairway can't afford to miss yeah that's his go-to i mean he he can still he can still get it out there where he's he's putting himself in a good position i I mean i would be using that one all the time oh 100 unless i had a fairway that you could you know jam two triple sevens on i'm I'm using the fairway finder all day i mean at a 295 average carry what we were seeing here versus like i said around that that 317 mm. 320 i mean that's going to play pretty much anywhere yeah <laughs> it definitely will um <clears throat> other other stuff this week that kind of caught my eye and i and i'm wondering if there's anything else that caught your eye so bettinardi had the uh the uh, party head covers they always they always release some this week and it's usually you know some sort of uh you know red solo cups with a bunch of stick figures like partying did you did you get a chance to see those i saw the ones that swag did 
the cactus with the red. Well, you would. And let's and hold on. Up. Let's let's talk about this. So the vet nerdy ones are party on. <clears throat> like they've got a whole bunch of red solo cups, and you know, guys, you know, these little stick figures that are like drinking and cheering on. I saw those. Yeah, but swag. So swag's based out of out of Chicago. Um, they they kind of burst onto the scene. I remember seeing their putters. Uh, I guess it was at least like three years ago, maybe. And uh, Kevin Streelman was was a staffer using their putter, and you know it's like all I see is the, like the putter, the putter, the putter, and all of a sudden they start rolling out these head covers, and I mean they they are cool. The one that sticks out to me is they had um, the Chicago Cubs when they won when they won the World Series. They created a head cover with the the score sheet. Yep. And who, who, who I'm trying to think who was the guy who signed it? Was it the was it the voice of the was it the voice of the Cubs? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, it's it you have to, I mean the, <clears throat> but what I was blown away by was it sold out so quickly. They all do. They all do. Now you would know this all better than do. anybody because you you are drinking the swag Kool-Aid. I I am indeed. I am a swag fan. I'm not going to deny it. A super fan, I would dare say. I I mean, compared to some of the people that I've met just in this swag community, I don't even scratch the surface. Well, on, yeah, I could I could see that. But, I am a but, new fanboy yeah. compared to some of these guys that, I mean, they are heavily invested and they are getting all the drops as soon as they go live. I don't know how the, I don't know how they do it, how they <clears> how they get it so quickly because those drops are, are in my opinion are as close to uh, it's seconds. A, like a like a sneaker drop. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's like if you don't if you don't click and and transact, you're not getting it. Nope. The head cover goes live and I mean it is gone in seconds. Yeah. And I have I have been lucky enough and I say lucky because it is I mean, it's just a stroke of luck right. that you get your hands on one during the drop. And there's there's people out there, and it drives me crazy, that will get them, and then within five minutes, they list it on eBay for three times the price that or more. Oh, yeah, and then, then, then you're like, I don't know if I could justify spending. Oh, it drives me nuts. That much, but. Somebody that is a collector, that likes them, that appreciates them for what they are. Right. When I miss that drop and it's just like, oh, it's like getting gut punched. It's like, man, I really wanted that cover. And yeah. then you see this person that's literally just taking it, flipping it for the the quick buck. Yeah, it's it that that is very tough. <clears throat> but um, th- thankfully in, in the golf in the golf community, there aren't a whole lot of limited limited releases. Every once in a while there's one that comes along. Head covers seem to be the biggie. Yeah. All of theirs are limited. Yeah, I mean, all their stuff is. You can't you can't buy any of it. They don't have a retail store and a retail, you know, putter cover. But they they are really cool. What was the what was the one from Swag this week? That's what yeah, that's what I was going to say. Getting back on on topic, yeah, yeah. it's the uh, it's the saguaro cactus yeah. that has red solo cups stuck all over that's it, and they've got so like the cool. big M frame, you know, like reflective sunglasses on yeah. the uh, on the saguaro. It's it's just cool looking. <laughs> And then like the brown, it's, it's super oh, cool. That's amazing. <clears throat> but I mean, on their website, they archive every head cover that they've ever made, every putter they've ever designed. So you can like start going through and coming up with your, you know, want list. I have a wish list. Yeah. yeah, I've, yeah. I've got a wish list. I, I kind of figured you did. I did. It's, it's, uh, it's vast and yeah. probably unattainable with some <laughs> of the, uh, the pricing that I have found for some of these covers. I've tracked some stuff down and then it's like, I 
am not in the tax bracket that uh, I can afford to spend a thousand bucks on a head cover. <laughs> that's just, Ooh. yeah, that's, that's as insane. nice as it is. I can't yeah. do it. A, a G on, on a head cover. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not going to, for that, for that price, you're not going to want to use it. I use them. You use them. That's, use see, them. that's, that's great. I love that. Cause I would have thought that you would have just had like a collection of ones and you know, they're like nope. on I, wall hangers and even, even stuff that I, have to go to eBay for and yeah. have to have to go and track down. I might pay a few hundred bucks for you know, a head cover and it comes like in the that. mail and it's, you know, it's sealed and it's pristine. And I go, nope, screw that. Rip it open. goes on the clubs. I take it to the course. That's awesome. I love, <laughs> I love that because that's, they're, they're meant to be used. They're not meant to be hundred percent, you know, they're just stored, cool. stored in your office. I mean, I've seen guys with the uh, Cameron putters in particular yep. that have the, you know, 10, 15, 20 K Camerons. And I get it. Like they're really expensive. They're, they're a conversation piece. Use the putter. Yep. Use it. Use it. Take Come it out. On. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Uh, That's anyway. I. Here's a. Here's another uh, Chris McCormick uh, ism for you. I refer to the head cover game as bag jewelry. Bag jewelry. I love that. bag jewelry. Yep. <laughs> oh, Put it man. on a sharp mark. There it is. It's bag jewelry. Oh my gosh. Bag <laughs> jewelry. Yeah. Let's, let's say that one definitely Too goes funny. on a shirt. All right. <clears throat> So what else? I, there are actually some celeb. I mean, there are all, usually always are celebs this week. Saw Michael Phelps. Yep. Saw Larry Fitz. Fitz, he's always out oh there. Gosh, yep. that guy still looks like he could. I mean, he's, he's in like the greatest shape of all it's time. Although Michael Phelps specimen. is too. Michael Phelps is still a specimen. That guy looks like he could get back in the pool and, and win another gold medal. Um, saw Aaron Rodgers and the locks were flowing. I yeah, like touchdown Jesus. I mean, it's it's touchdown getting Jesus. It's getting, Love it. It's getting pretty long for uh, for Aaron <clears throat> Rodgers. He had he actually had the new stealth in the bag, but uh, no, nothing creative on the wedges, which I was kind of bummed about. Like, I would think Aaron Rodgers. He's he's a pretty witty guy. You would have thought he'd want something on. You would think. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe he just hasn't had him stamped yet. Did you see the wedges that uh, that Truspec did for Michael Phelps? I did with all the medals. Oh, that's worth a. Uh, that's worth a look on the old interweb. Okay, they're uh, they're impressive. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Seek okay. them out. All right, take a look. Our, I missed, our boys I missed in the Phelps. House. I saw him. He was going to he was going to the tee, and uh, he had a familiar face on on the bag today. A friend of the family. Yeah, Fuge. Fuge. Shout out Fuge. Um, anyway, so great week out there. It's going to just be like I said. It's going to be absolute chaos the rest of the week. But let's get into the robot insights. I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback that just we've been having conversations about. <clears throat> we had a chance to have Gene test all the new drivers at, at 95 miles an hour. And we've been going through a lot of the insights that we've been seeing. We went through Callaway. Yep. We did TaylorMade. Took a week off because Gene was doing something way more important, hanging out with his dad at Pebble Beach. So let's get into Cobra and the new LTDX. And just kind of as a little bit of like a, a table setter, the Cobra LTDX comes in three different models. You've got the LTDX, the LS, which is the low spin head. You have the LTDX, which is your standard model head. It's that's gonna be, you know, medium launch, um, more, you know, higher high forgiveness. And then you have the LTDX Max, which is the extreme forgiveness. It has multiple weight ports, one in the back of the head and also one in the heel for the golfer that needs a little bit of help kind of keeping that slice on the map. 
So those are the three drivers. The interesting thing about this one is, is Cobra is now using AI in their yep. face design. So they have this new, <clears throat> it's, still, it's still the milled face. That hasn't changed. But it's called their hot face design. And uh, it, the HOT stands for highly optimized topology. Now, that's a mouthful. I was going to say, say that five yeah, times. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when we were shooting videos on these drivers, I'm like, highly, op highly optimized optimized topology. I, it's Highly fast. optimized topology. I was like saying it over and over because I'm like, dude, I'm going to totally butcher this when we do the video. But the cool part about this is that they're able to optimize the thicknesses of the face to help with ball speed. Now they're looking at, you know, the common misses and like where golfers missing it on the face and they're trying to optimize it. Now some people might say, all right, whatever, it's, you know, magic beans. Cause I still think some golfers are highly skeptical of like using AI. Sure. Now this is where I want Gene to come into the picture because these drivers, Gene, I'll be honest, when we tested them, I was looking at, at the carry Delta because we, we tested nine points on the face and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. The the carry delta between center and all the other eight points is like almost identical. And you just you don't see you don't see a carry <clears throat> delta that's that tight. I mean, these drivers are crazy stable, but in my opinion, I'm like, if if I was gonna give you a takeaway on these, it's that if you if you are inconsistent in contact, these drivers are money, in my it, opinion. I mean, we've talked about. Go ahead, Gene. Oh, I was just going to say uh, it was interesting because um, you know before we came on, I was talking to Chris about uh, the stability of these drivers, and he was bringing up uh, the ping drivers, and the ping drivers have always historically <clears throat> been uh, some of the most kind of stable, consistent clubs. And that's what you always knew that you could get from a design perspective. And I think the argument that Cobra gives them a run for their money this year, they, um, they did some really, really interesting things. And, uh, Jonathan, to your point, um, the LTD series, uh, or the family, had uh, some of the smallest drop-off in distance on all nine points of almost all of the clubs out there. Uh, they also had exceptional toe hit drop-off in distance. And it looks like, and this um, is a continuation mm -hmm. from last year's model, they know that the average amateur uh, hits the ball on the toe and they really minimize the toe drop off in addition to all um, other eight points other than the, the center point. But the, the, the overall takeaway, incredibly balanced, very large sweet spot, very straight, uh, the, and, and balanced straight, meaning if uh, a three-quarter inch toe shot went nine yards to the right, a three-quarter inch heel shot would go 10 or 11 yards to the left meaning that if you missed it with a square face on the toe or the heel, you were going to get kind of an equal uh, dispersion. So directionally, pretty straight and very, very balanced as far as uh, drop-off is concerned. Yeah. I've noticed over the last couple of years <clears throat> with the Cobra drivers that the toe miss in particular, that high toe miss, it, I mean, the, the ball speed, 
carry numbers, everything was was almost identical. Uh, you know, it's it's such a game changer, and this is and again, this is why we why we have Gene test these drivers on the robot because every year without fail, and Chris, you get it too because you're like you're you're fitting all kinds of guys, not just tour pros, but you know, handicap ranges from scratch oh, sure. all the way up to like fifteen twenties. And they all ask the same question. They say, well, what's the best driver? And I always respond with, question. I'm like, well, what's your, what's your miss? Um, you know, what are you playing right now? And like, I'm not a fitter, but I at least feel smarter knowing like, Hey, here, here are some things that these drivers do well. And from a stability standpoint, like the Cobra, like I don't, I'm kind of surprised. I have to say, I'm kind of surprised that the Cobra drivers don't get more, more notoriety. It's, With the exception of, you know, like Bryson, you know, going into a media center and trashing the driver because it's not doing what he wants at, right. at you know, at 220. Um, you know, it's it's like I, I've always been surprised because the driver is the driver's really good and it does a lot of things that like the average mid handicapper could benefit from. Like it, it neutralizes a lot of those like common misses. No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, the, the engineering team that designs these products is, I mean, they're top notch. They are no joke whatsoever. Uh, man, that seems very dangerous. Seems cause... super dangerous. That was my thought too. It was like these poor camera guys. Mark. Mark. What was that? Coach. <laughs> What the hell was that? Anyway, all right. Oh, I don't know. I don't Only know fans? what it was, but that, yeah, I was about to say, you subscribing to something? I don't, I don't in there, want. Buddy? I don't want to know. I just heard of like two dudes talking. Um, it's, whatever Mark does behind that computer screen, I can't see. Yeah, that, <laughs> I don't know if I want to see. <laughs> yeah, I, let's say I don't. I don't want to see. Anyway, I think we need to keep this in the episode. That was that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh gosh moving on all right going get, get back to what we were discussing before coached torpedoed the conversation <laughs> with whatever that audio was so yeah the uh the team at cobra yeah uh, they do they do an awesome job i totally agree yeah i mean to is responsible for so many things that we kind of consider like benchmark tech in the industry that are utilized by a variety of manufacturers in one capacity or another yeah. and i mean the the cobra product for quite a few years has been a contender in the fitting bay. And I mean, for whatever reason, yeah, it just, it just kind of has that stigmata of not tailor-made, not Titleist, not Callaway, but it's a great product line in its own right. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the biases that, that we talk about. I feel like every week that, that exists in, in golf. Sure. I mean, I was talking to, I was just talking to a couple of guys this week about, you know, just different products that are now out in the marketplace and you know they're great products but unfortunately you know like pro golfers in particular are very picky about the brands that they're using like you gotta you gotta really sell them on it and typically that might not even be enough so yeah it is yeah rec golfers are the same way like they just anyway it's just the the, the biases that exist in this space and i I'll give you the answer that I give when somebody asks me about equipment, and I'm curious to get Gene's perspective too, because I get that, obviously, with my profession, I get that question a lot. 
what's the best driver this year? What's the best fairway? What's the best hybrid iron? So on and so forth. And I mean, the response that I give is everybody makes good product. Mm -hmm. Not everybody makes a good product line for you. And not everybody makes a good product that matches to the angles that you create as a player, your strike location, your launch window, your spin threshold, whatever the case may be. So it's a good idea going into a fitting environment to have an open mind and have essentially a checklist of what you would ideally like to see. Right. And focusing more on that checklist and that list of objectives is a lot more important than who makes the club that gives you all of those check boxes. Chris, absolutely, 100% what um, you said I agree with. And here's what it comes down to. There's this massive amount of product out there that all does interesting and different things. And all the manufacturers kind of develop their own lane, as we've seen through these product descriptions, of some of them focus on pure distance, some of them focus on sweet spots, some of them focus on direction. But the point being that not all golfers have the same objectives. And so the bottom line is get fit. You really need to get fit. You need to try these products out and you need to work with your fitter and discuss what are your objectives with the game. If it's a fairway finder versus I just want to hit it past my buddies versus I need to knock three strokes off my score. Those all create different paradigms in which the fitter is going to look at the universe of equipment and narrow it down to a piece of equipment, especially with the driver, that is going to be able to uh, meet your goals and then get into the world of launch, spin, um, ball speed to maximize your overall performance. And that's Nailed exactly it. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, especially with what with, with drivers cost nowadays, that people would still just, I mean, unless you have, you know, a lot of disposable income for for golf equipment, and God bless you if you do. <laughs> God bless you if you do. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's basically yeah. playing golf club lottery. That's, that's a perfect way to describe it. I mean, you you might get lucky and find one that you hit really, really well. But the likelihood of that happening is you know, essentially like winning a lottery. It's just it's just luck of the draw. Yeah. And I mean, to expand on what Gene was saying, I mean, not only do these manufacturers kind of chase either distance or stability or you know, one characteristic or the other, but I mean, each head kind of has its own characteristic that responds well to strikes you know, high on the face, low on the face, on the heel you know, center, toe, whatever the case may be. So, I mean, based upon the angles you create, your strike pattern, like we were kind of talking about earlier, you know, there's different heads out there that, you know, it might not be the fastest one for you, but based upon your strike pattern, it's the most consistent. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, the other end of the spectrum, if you're chasing distance, you might sacrifice a little bit of stability to pick up another, you know, 8, 10, 12 yards or so. But there are trade-offs when you're, when you're chasing speed. Yeah, I know. I I still like me personally as a golfer. I I struggle with that all the time. You we know, all do. You we we all. I agree. <laughs> I think we we all do. I think some more than others because <clears throat> the the like keeping up with the Joneses, being keeping up with your buddies. You know, your buddies get a certain driver and they're bombing it, and you're just like, oh man, I got to get that. But 
I think we sometimes get the blinders on and forget about stability and <laughs> finding the fairway, which is yeah, oh so absolutely. important just to try and, you know, keep one close to our buddy that, you know, that has the new driver that's just going 10 yards past shores. Well, that's exactly why we're successful. I mean, it essentially turns into an arm race. Yeah. So, I mean, if you come see me for a fitting and I all of a sudden find you something that outperforms your current gamer and now you start hitting it past your buddy, your playing partner that you play a lot of golf with, play cash games with, well, then next thing you know, he comes to see me. And then, you know, the buddy that plays with him comes to see me. And then it's just everybody's chasing that elusive distance consistency game. And next thing you know, you go through, you know, 10, 12, 15 guys in a golf group. Yeah, <clears throat> that's all. That's always a nice thing. Oh, for sure. Anyway, the Cobra <laughs> driver is is like we said the the buzzword for it is stable, but it you know people are going to say, well, it's stable. What is it? What is the ball speed like? And you can say, well, look, depending on where you miss it on the face, you're not going to see a lot of see a lot of carry distance drop off. So I, no. I I think it's I think it's a really good driver. As Gene mentioned, all three did really well. So. Go check them out. I, I certainly think that a Cobra driver, I'm not, you know, look, I don't, I don't play favorites. I think there's a lot of great product out there, but I do think a Cobra driver should be in that rotation of, of drivers that you're testing when you testing. go, when you go to true spec or, or whoever to, to get fit, you know, it, it's important to have mostly true spec, mostly true spec, but <laughs> again, not trying to play favorites, even though I do love Chris. Um, anyway, so I think that does it for robot insights. It's a good time to get into this week's interview. I before we jump into an interview, okay. I do, I do have to do a personal favor. I <laughs> this is great. I yeah, do, do this. Do so this. one one of our fitters that works for us in our on our mobile team, uh, Sam Kim here in Scottsdale, does a lot of traveling for us. He's a a workhorse, and I love the guy. He has a friend of his in Hawaii that lives in Hilo on the Big Island. And his name is Anson, and he is a very avid listener and had asked for a shout-out on the pod. Shout-out, Anson. So, I mean, we got to say what's up. We got to give him the shout-out. We got to say, hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And the fact that your buddies with Sam. That. Yeah, your buddies with me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anson, thank <clears> you for <throat> listening. You're probably listener, what, like five or six, maybe seven? We, we got up to seven? We got to get close to ten now. I think and we, we got to be, be approaching double digits, maybe. God bless him. So, okay. So there we go. Shout out, Anson. Thanks again for listening. Now we can get into this week's interview. So I teased it at the end of last week's pod. If you listen to the whole thing, we've got a, we've got a decent interview this week. It's a good one. It's a very good one. I had the opportunity to interview Brooks Kepka. This has been a tough get for me because Brooks didn't have a deal. So every time I wanted to talk to him, it was like a, you know, no, not not looking to to promote anybody's stuff because yep. I'm a free agent. Fine, bud. Like that's that's your you you can do that. So now that he is a Cleveland Tricks on staffer, he signed a deal back in November. I gotta be honest, I was pretty surprised. Me too. Yeah. I mean, he was the the poster child for brand agnostic. He was. And so we now had a chance to to chat with Brooks now these Cleveland tricks on staffer. He talked about just the transition into gear, um, how Hideki actually watching Hideki hit certain shots kind of sold him on the golf ball. And, you know, he'd already been using the irons. He won actually won this very tournament here in Phoenix last year. 
with the Shrixon irons, the ZX irons, ZX7s. Yep. And so anyway, get into that, get into a little bit about my favorite part. Wait till the end. We talk about the Nike Vaporfly Pro. I know everybody's probably smiling and, and pumping their fists. I did ask them about it. It's a great interview. Enjoy it. Well, I've been looking forward to this interview since he signed a new equipment deal. He joins us on behalf of Michelob Ultra, who's releasing three commercials during the Super Bowl. Four-time major winner, Brooks Kapka. Brooks, what's going on, man? Good. Doing good. How are you? Pretty good. So this is your third straight Super Bowl ad for Michelob Ultra. Is it still cool seeing yourself in a Super Bowl ad when you're watching the game? And can you give us some details on this year's ads? Yeah. I mean, I always think it's cool. Anytime you're in a Super Bowl commercials, I mean, it's always fun uh, getting to getting to be a part of something with these other athletes um, from, you know, Jimmy Butler to Alex Morgan, Peyton Manning, Serena. Um, best athletes in the world. So anytime you're around them, um, it's always fun and you get to have a good time shooting with them. So it's always exciting. Last year was kind of exciting too, obviously winning Phoenix. Um, and then literally it was like one of the first things I saw on TV was my commercial. So that was pretty, pretty surreal, but, uh, it's always a good time. It's fun. Uh, Michael Bolter is awesome to shoot with. It's a bunch of fun. And, um, this year's, commercial i was i was excited about it since the moment i heard it so uh hopefully everybody enjoys it yeah we'll get to get to see it pretty soon all right well this is a a gear podcast and i'm curious you were a gear free agent for six years before signing a deal with cleveland tricks on the end of last year at what point did you start to realize that you were ready to explore doing a staff deal with a brand and what was that process like for you it was actually pretty easy. Uh, the transition of obviously having the irons over um, basically a year now. Uh, they've been in the bag, so that was that was probably the easiest transition I, I think I've ever had uh, as far as equipment goes. And it's it's been super fun. The process has been great. I think the um, the golf ball is best golf ball I've ever played. I mean, immediately we were we were. Everybody was amazed from the, the guys at Tricks on to uh, my caddy, myself. Um, you know, we're watching the ball. Ball flights higher, you know, about 15 feet higher, and the spin is still the same. And um, that's what you want. I, I, one of the craziest things I still can't wrap my mind over is how the golf ball is made and the dimples and how it flies through the wind and doesn't move as much, um, which is absolutely insane. Like the first time you hit it in a crosswind. I mean, I've, I've said it a few times to my caddy. You watch the deck, you hit balls in the crosswind, and the ball doesn't move. And I'm like, what? How the heck does he do that? Like, it's, it's impossible. It's going 20 off the right, and the ball really doesn't move. Meanwhile, my ball's up there going sideways. Um, and then you hit the tricks on ball, and it's, it, <laughs> it does exactly what Hideki's has done for, for years. So it's pretty cool, and um, it's, it's been a fun fun transition, fun process. And, um, you know, it's been, you know, months in the making, so. It's been uh, it's been an easy transition, to be quite honest. So you actually brought up my next question. What was the golf ball? It seems to be you know a, a piece of gear. It doesn't sound like it was for you. It wasn't that difficult to transition into. But what is your testing process like when it comes to golf ball? Is there like a certain shot, like a go-to shot that you need to see during testing where it's like, if it doesn't do this, like I'm not going to play it? Yeah, I do. I mean, I go through a whole bunch of random – um, every shot I need, um, usually try to eliminate them by 
you know, starting with anything around short game, you can putt, chip, and pretty much eliminate balls. But it's funny, back in 2016, I think when um, I just signed with Nike, I remember being at Travelers and everything when Nike had stopped. And then a couple months later, we were just kind of doing some testing. We blacked out every golf ball. Um, only, I think, my caddy knew exactly what golf ball was what. Um, and we had tested and I found the three golf balls I liked. And um, I just went with the one I used for years, but the trick song was number two. So um, that doesn't tell you anything. Then uh, it'd be interesting to see amateurs if they blacked it out like that, what their, their favorite golf ball would be. <laughs> it would be something totally different from what they play. Guarantee it. Most likely, yeah. So... Aside from the guaranteed money, which I know is nice when you sign a staff deal, what's the biggest benefit to being a staffer versus the the last six years that you were gear free agent? Uh, money it doesn't matter to me. I've, um, that's not why I did this. I think it's just better equipment, better ball, better everything. Um, there's a reason I was not with anybody for um, you know what four years, basically. So. Um, Look, I, I just think it's better. Uh, it's been it's been pretty obvious to me. It's been obvious to everybody on my team that the direction we've moved is is the right direction, and and we're all excited about it. When you're testing gear, how much are you relying on launch monitor numbers? Which I know you and a, and a bunch of your tour guys use, you know, week in week out. How much are you relying on those numbers versus what you're seeing and feeling and hearing when you're testing? Yeah, I mean, I the, all the stuff that they have, they're all sitting behind watching it. I've got my putting coach watching it, um, who I work with, um, be a little bit in the swing and, and chipping when Pete Cowan's not around. Um, it's they're looking at these numbers. You got everybody from Trixon, my caddy. They're all looking at the numbers. I'm not a big numbers guy. I focus on the wrong stuff sometimes and try to make it perfect, but. Um, you know, we were just doing some stuff the other day. And it's, I mean, I can tell you from the moment of impact, whether it's a good swing, bad swing, what the deal is. And I'm more of the eye test guy. If it passes my eye test, I can see. I mean, it's a good old fashioned way, man. I don't know if it spins too much for the ball flight, if it spins not enough, the flight gets the right height. Um, and I can tell them right there immediately, hey, you know, this setup's good, this ball's good, whatever. You know, if you're just trying to tinker with certain things, um, if it's the right fit. and then they're just behind going, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, oh, because their faces are big monitors and they're not watching the ball. Yeah. So I know you're going to be a big part of Cleveland Shirksons development process going forward. What's the one club you're most excited about helping develop in the future? Um, honestly, I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty happy with the ball. I just hope they don't change. We're not doing anything with the ball. I love the fact, like I said, it doesn't move in the wind. Um, you know, the wedges, I mean, I use these wedges as a kid, so it's nothing that's that's too crazy for me. And then uh, the irons, honestly, like I said, I've, I've, it's been the easiest transition ever. Um, I've, I've never played the irons with that type of sole, how it's like got a, like a V sole. Um, and I don't think I'll ever play anything but uh, going forward. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, probably the woods. I think would be the, the coolest thing. I think it's probably one of the most underrated drivers um, out there. I think um, 
the field to the ball flight to watching it come off that base. Um, I just think the whole brand is very underrated. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. It has a cult following, so I got to ask the Nike Vapor Fly Pro Iron that you've had in the bag for a while. You know, since you were a free agent, I've always been curious. Did you have backups? How many did you have? I know that they weren't really readily available out of the marketplace. Kind of, did you? How how did you kind of go about that as as you were a free agent? Uh, so I remember I've had that thing basically from the moment I signed with them. Uh, it's not coming out of the bag, and I got plenty of backups. So, uh, just I mean, we were actually laughing at it the other day. The shaft is starting to wear a little bit, right where it like rubs yeah. against the bag. Um, so, uh, I've had to reglue the the ferrule because that's come loose. Um, but yeah, I mean, once I get equipment that I like and I I stick with it, I'm not a tinker. I don't change. I keep it just how it is. So, I'm excited, and um, you know. We're just uh, just finish up getting everything dialed in. I mean, look, we're what two days into February, so um, everything's going to be be smooth sailing from now on. Awesome, Brooks. Thanks again, and appreciate Michelob Ultra having you on. Yeah, thanks. And that'll do it for episode one hundred and twenty-seven of Fully Equipped. One twenty-seven. One twenty-seven. I say it every week. It's just amazing that we've had this many episodes. I love it. I know it Keep is always it's, it's always fun. As always, if you want the gear news, check us out on social media. We are at Full Equip Golf on Instagram, at Fully underscore Equipped on Twitter. And I think that'll do it. If you're in Phoenix, go enjoy some golf. There's a big tournament going on this weekend. Big tournament. And if not, watch it on TV. I think it's going to be, be a lot of chaos. Every year. Enjoy the weekend. See you next week.